turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. What good is it if you get all the riches of the world, but in the end you die without Jesus and you lose your soul for all eternity? And, and in that, Jesus is telling us the value of your soul. Your soul is more valuable to you than all the riches of the world. And here the church in Laodicea, man, they had material wealth, they had riches, they had need of nothing, but spiritually they were bankrupt. It's possible to go to church every Sunday and even possible to lift your hands up during worship and still not have a good relationship with Jesus. As Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the book of Revelation, He'll be explaining how this lukewarm church of Odyssea had material wealth and comforts, yet Jesus saw them as miserable, blind, and naked. Jesus warned this church that he would vomit them out of his mouth if they continued to remain in a lukewarm state, neither hot nor cold. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. You know, in Hebrews chapter 13, just to read a verse to you, it says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. We're reminded to remember the, those who are in prison for their faith in Jesus Christ, those around the world who are mistreated for their faith in Jesus Christ, because we're all part of the same body. You know, we're members of the same family. Those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so here in chapter 2, Jesus speaks to the persecuted church, the church of Smyrna. And, and all of those statistics I just read to you, those are all people that in a sense belong to the church of Smyrna. And so this is what Jesus Christ has to say to them. In verse 8, he says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, and remember the word angel probably refers to the pastor of that church, And then Jesus goes on to give a description of himself in verse 8. And this description, he comes from chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. And so Jesus gives this description of himself to this church in Smyrna, to these believers. And he gives this description to comfort them in their suffering. And he reminds them, first of all, that he is the first and the last, which means he's eternal and he's sovereign over all. That's what that means. He's eternal and he's sovereign. And I'm sure that was a comfort to those in Smyrna to be reminded that Jesus Christ is sovereign. 
that he's sovereign over all things, including their suffering and their persecution. You know, I, I, would, I would imagine for them that there may be times where it seems like Jesus isn't sovereign, that, that Jesus doesn't see what they're going through, or that Jesus isn't in control of those things because they're so severe. But he, he wants them to know that, no, he's sovereign. He's the first and the last. He's in control of all things. And he's also, look at verse 8 again, he's also the one who was dead and came to life again. Speaking of his death and resurrection, Jesus wants those in the church in Smyrna to know that he also suffered at the hands of men. He also was persecuted. He also suffered. He understands what those believers in Smyrna are going through. He, he also was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was reproached. He was scorned. And he willingly submitted to the rejection and the persecution of man. And he suffered a brutal death on a cross. But the cross wasn't the end of the story, was it? Because three days later, he rose again from the dead. And just as it says in verse 8, he came to life and he's alive. He's a living Savior. And, and Jesus wants those, those believers in Smyrna to know that, hey, he has suffered too. And his death wasn't the end, that he has the final victory over the grave. And he wrote this to encourage those believers in Smyrna. And he encourages them by reminding them of the gospel, of the good news, that he suffered and died also, but he's alive today. He's resurrected. And, and his suffering was temporary. His suffering didn't last forever. And he has the final victory. He has the final word. And they will have the victory too because of their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the, the believers in Smyrna, they were experiencing what the Apostle Paul called the fellowship of his suffering. The fellowship of his suffering. But they will also experience the power of his resurrection also. But you have to experience the cross before you can experience the resurrection and they're going through the suffering right now, but they will experience the power of the resurrection. You know, uh, just to share a couple verses with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Listen to what Paul says about his persecution. He says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul says of persecution that it's it's light and it's just temporary. And it's working out, it's producing a far greater glory for us. In Romans chapter 8, also the apostle Paul verse 18, Paul says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul says the suffering that we're experiencing now because we're believers, he says it it doesn't even compare. There's no comparison to the glory that we will experience one day with Jesus Christ. It says in the Bible, though our sorrows may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. 
Later in Revelation, we'll read where God will be with man and then God will wipe away man's every tear. He'll wipe away our every tear and there'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for all the former things will pass away. That's, that's the hope. That's the future that these persecuted believers have, that one day they'll be with Jesus and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more suffering and there'll be no more death and he'll wipe away their tears and all of these former things will pass away. Now look at verse 9. Look at what he says in verse 9. He says, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. Jesus says, I know. I know what you're going through. I know what's happening to you. I know what's taking place in your life there in Smyrna. I know what you're experiencing for my name's sake. I know how hard it is for you. Man, what a comfort it must have been for those believers in Smyrna to receive this letter and to hear those words read to them from Jesus. And Jesus saying to them, I know what you're going through. I know how hard it is. I know what you're experiencing. And listen, maybe you're here today and maybe you're, you're suffering. Maybe it's not persecution, but maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're going through some kind of hard time in your life. And I would want you to know that Jesus knows what you're going through. And he would say to you today, I know. I know what you're experiencing. I know how you feel. I know how painful it is. I know how overwhelmed you feel. I know. I know what is happening. Jesus sees it and he understands what you're feeling and he empathizes with you. But more than that, Jesus has a solution for you. Because see, Jesus heals the brokenhearted. Jesus sets the captives free. Jesus invites us to bring our burdens to him. And he he tells us to bring our burdens to him. And he says he'll take our burdens from us. And he says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I will give you rest for your soul. So we, we have to we have to take his yoke upon us. What does that mean? That means that we have to let Jesus be in charge of our life. We have to let Jesus be Lord of us. And when we do that, he takes our burden. He lifts our burden. He may not get you out of the situation that you're in. You know, I, I think it was Billy Graham who said, you can't unscramble eggs, you know, right? Sometimes things are just such a mess. It's not all that easy to get out of it. So he may not take you out of the mess you're in, but he can take the burden from the mess you're in. And he can, he can give you rest for your soul. You know, do you have an unsettled soul today? Jesus will give you rest for your soul if you come to him with your burdens and give them to him. Notice in verse 9 that Jesus doesn't list here any special works or achievements that he commends the church in Smyrna for. You know, back with the church in Ephesus, if you remember last time, if you were here, in verse 2, he said, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you've persevered in your patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and I have not become weary. He kind of lists all of these, you know, achievements and commends the church in Ephesus for all of their achievements, 
But here, Jesus doesn't give a similar kind of list to the church in Smyrna. He says, I know what you're going through. Why doesn't he do Why doesn't he give some kind of list? Because, listen, because it's a persecuted church. It's a persecuted church. And for a persecuted church, just enduring the persecution, that's their achievement. You know, just, just continuing in the faith and not forsaking Christ and enduring all of that and going through all of that suffering, that's achievement. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And that's what he commends them for. That's a great work in a persecuted church. And Jesus says, I know your works and I know your tribulation. That word tribulation there, if you're a note taker, it literally means pressure. I know the pressure that you're under there in Smyrna as believers for my name's sake. You know, the Apostle Paul uses the same word in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, where he says, we are hard pressed on every side. That's the word. They're hard pressed on every side in Smyrna because of their faith in Jesus. The, the pressure is on them. They are feeling the pressure of persecution upon them in that church there. He says, I, I know your works. I know your tribulation. I know the pressure that is, that is pressing down upon you because of your faith. And I know your poverty, though you are rich. And the word poverty here, it means abject poverty. It's severe poverty. It's, it's destitution. And it has the idea of, of becoming poor. In other words, they weren't always poor like this. They've, be, they've become destitute. They, they've become impoverished there. Smyrna was a very prosperous city, as I said. There was a lot of opportunities there to make a living. There's a lot of opportunities in that town to make good money. But the Christians there are poor. And the reason the Christians there are poor is because... They've refused to worship Caesar. See, they, they were in a situation where because they, they weren't willing to submit to what the government required of them in worshiping Caesar and declaring Caesar as, as Lord, that now they are kind of cast out of society. They've lost their jobs. They've had to close their businesses down. Shop owners don't allow them to buy their goods in their shop anymore, even though they have money to spend. They've, they've been cut off now. They've been put out of, of the community now because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So they've experienced there in Smyrna, they've experienced what's called economic persecution, where because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they're fired from their jobs. No one would come into their shop. No one would hire them even though that they, they were skilled laborers, uh, no one would take their money. I mean, there's many places like that in the world today 
where Christians experience the same kind of economic persecution, where you know, a person converts to Christianity and they're fired from their job, or maybe they're, they're kicked out of their home, or they're evicted, and no one will hire them. No one comes into their business anymore, shops at their business because they're Christians. No one comes into their restaurant to eat. You know, in some, some places, shop owners will, will not allow Christians to come into their, their business to shop and buy their goods or buy groceries, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, they experience, you know, just economic persecution. When we were in Israel back in September, as part of our trip, we went into the West Bank. We went to the city of Bethlehem, and we went to a shop that was owned by Christians there. And those Christians that own that shop have experienced economic discrimination, Because they're Christians, and there's so few Christians left in Bethlehem, most of the Christians have left the city because of the economic persecution that they're experiencing there. And it was very difficult for these shop owners, these Christian shop owners, to just make a living uh, because no one would come into their business anymore. In fact, the day that we were there, we got there at like, I don't know, it was like 5 o'clock in the evening, and we were their first customers all day in that shop. And they were so grateful to our group because they have so few customers that come into their business. Just many of the Christians have just left because it's too difficult to stay. The Christians in Smyrna were discriminated against because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They, they were discriminated against economically. Again, it's hard for us to imagine what that's like. It's hard for us to imagine what it would have been like to be a Christian in this church in in Smyrna. To be fired from your job because you've put your faith in Jesus. Or no one will hire you. You're willing to work. No one's willing to hire you because you're a Christian. No one will take your money. You want to go grocery shopping to buy groceries for your family. But they won't take your money. They don't let you shop in their store. You know, imagine those in that church in Smyrna. Imagine those that had families, had small children, to see their children suffering under this persecution. How difficult that would have been, where they're just kind of cast out of society now. And look again at what Jesus says. Jesus says, I know your poverty. I know what you're going through. I know your poverty. Then he says, but you're rich. You're rich. See, this tells us that Jesus doesn't measure riches the same way that the world measure riches. He's got a different scale to measure riches. The church in Smyrna lacked material wealth, but they were rich toward God. They had treasure in heaven. And the Bible tells us that the treasure of this world, it's, it's temporary. But the treasure that they had, it was eternal. The treasure in heaven, having treasure in heaven and storing up treasure in heaven, that is just a, a, by far, it is a better investment of your resources. Now, in contrast, if you look over in chapter 3, you have the church of Laodicea, which is in contrast to the church in Smyrna. Look what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, verse uh, 17. Because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. 
the church in Laodicea, they were rich materially. They were wealthy materially. They had need of nothing materially. But Jesus says to them, you're spiritually poor. You're spiritually bankrupt. You know, in the Gospels, Jesus said, what is it profit of man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Right? What good is it if you get all the riches of the world But in the end, you die without Jesus and you lose your soul for all eternity. And and in that, Jesus is telling us the value of your soul. Your soul is more valuable to you than all the riches of the world. And here, the church in Laodicea, man, they had material wealth, they had riches, they had need of nothing, but spiritually, they were bankrupt. In contrast, the church in Smyrna was, was poor, but they were rich spiritually. So Laodicea was a poor, rich church, and Smyrna was a rich, poor church. And listen, from a human perspective, from just a strictly non-spiritual human perspective, we would look at the church of Laodicea with all of its money and its wealth and its beautiful buildings and all the abundance, and we would say, man, that church has it going on. Right? The Lord is blessing that church. The Lord is in that church. Look at, it. look at all they've got. Look at their building and look at all the material things they have. And Jesus would look at that same church and say, it's bankrupt. Bankrupt. And, and we, human, human perspective, we would look at the church in Smyrna and say, I don't know if the Lord's in this church. I mean, look at how they're, look at how they're living. Look at how they're suffering. I, I don't think God's in that. Right? See how our, our view and God's view of things entirely different. Smyrna had nothing materially, but they were rich spiritually. It's better to be a rich, poor church than a poor, rich church. Look at verse 9 again. He goes on to say, you know, I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. So there, were, there was a, a Jewish population there in the city of Smyrna, and the Jews in Smyrna were persecuting the Christian community. And, and Jesus calls their synagogue the synagogue of Satan, meaning Satan was using the Jews in that city and using that synagogue to come against the believers and destroy the work of God in that city, because that's what Satan wants to do, kill, steal, and destroy. And so Satan was actually using, you know, the Jewish religious community to persecute the Christians to try to destroy the work that God was doing in that city. Now, let me have your attention for just a second, because sometimes I've seen where verses like this are plucked out of the Bible and used to justify anti-Semitism. This verse in no way justifies anti-Semitism. There is no place in the body of Christ for anti-Semitism. Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ was Jewish. (laughs) You know, he was born as a Jewish man in Israel. And he was raised by very devout Jewish parents. They would be Orthodox today or Hasidic Jews today. That's how devoted they were. 
Jesus kept the law. Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath day. Jesus kept the feasts. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Revelation, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Many questions might arise as you listen to these messages about the end times. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-changing news that they might not hear anywhere else. This is a tremendous opportunity to reach people who are lost and without a Savior. We value your prayers for these important messages that are going out. Pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would greatly multiply because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on this peculiar book of the Bible. Revelation is one of the many that are curious about but find it hard to understand. We trust that God's giving you some clarity by listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Rings true.